Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Tim Dive. A few things to talk about today, a couple of updates in regards to the Labor government's same job, same pay legislation that they're trying to refine now and rolling out soon. And of course, there's always things in the headline that I want to talk about, the headlines that I want to talk about, because they're relevant to a lot of businesses at the moment. You know, the strange thing that's happening right now that I don't think I've really experienced in the 16, 17 years or so of my time in this world of HR and IR, you know, there's, there's so many changes happening right now, um, one after the other and simultaneously all, all being rolled out, affecting every kind of business. You know, what I mean by that is in the past, in everything I've been exposed to, a legal change has been related to uh, or affected a specific industry or a type of employer, a certain size of employer, uh, excluded others and that sort of thing. So a major change might only be limited to a, a section of, of the workforce or the business community in Australia. But right now what we're seeing is, you know, the reason why there's so much confusion and angst and business groups against the government right now is because, you know, you know you've got eight employer groups, nine employer groups that are really starting to campaign against the government. That tells you, the spread of the of the impact of changes is enormous. It's across the whole country, every type of business. So that's pretty rare, you know, and that's why there's so much to talk about. Um, but it's difficult for anyone running any business or leading any workplace. Uh, good luck trying to understand what your obligations are and what to expect coming up, how to forecast your, your workforce and your workplace. Do I use contractors? Do I get casuals? Do I, you know, all those questions. Um, do I use labour hire? All everything you can possibly ask yourself as an employer right now. Who knows what the answer is? You know, that's that's the impact that these these changes and amendments are all having. You know, they're so widespread. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Talk about a few things in particular. You know, the the next uh, tranche of legislative changes and amendments that will happen later this year. They're kind of being centred around three particular topics, and that's the same job, same pay legislation. Um, and it's also about, uh, well, probably, you know, more so uh, people are being more uh, concerned lately around um, wage theft criminalisation and what that means for them. Because you've got people and groups like the ACTU banging their chest about $4 million penalties uh, being handed down to employers just for making honest mistakes in wages. Um, and you've also got jail time, uh, being tabled and all that sort of stuff. So pretty worrying, you know, that there's, there's, a, there's a whole lot of concern in the business community about all that. Let's, yeah, before we talk about anything in more detail, as always, workplaceas.com, workplace advisory specialists, bringing this podcast to you. So go over to the website, www.workplaceas.com, get some free tools, listen to more podcasts, get some advice, Book in for a consultation if you need to. It's all there at the website, so go and check that out. So, look, um, same job, same pay. Last week on Friday, the uh, and today is the 19th of June, Monday the 19th of June. So last week on Friday, a few days ago, uh, the government met with the uh, a few of the uh, employer organisations and bodies and the ACTU, brought them together for a consultation. Uh, about same job, same pay legislation and trying to refine the uh, the scope of it, if you know what I mean. Um, 
Master Builders, I believe it was Master Builders that wasn't invited. And, and once again, the word sham consultation is being bantered about. And I probably believe it, you know, the, the last the last December consultation with, with the employer groups and the ACTU involved, which brought about, um, you know, Secure Jobs, Better Pay Act, um, that was... That was an enormous scam and a, a complete sham of consultation, that one. I think we, we can all agree on that. Um, you know, they're saying it again now. I, I'm not too sure. We'll see what comes out of all this. But it looks as though same job, same pay. If you're asking my personal opinion on this, it looks as though the government, Tony Burke, is starting to realise that it's a, a bit of a toothless tiger. Um not for everybody, and I'll, I'll explain. I'll explain that. But because you know, it will have it will have knock on effects. Same job, same pay will have knock on effects. There's no doubt about that. Not as much as uh, my view uh, on the on single interest bargaining or multi employer bargaining. It won't have a, as big an effect on every business as that will. But um, you know, there's been there's been some additional reviews and study and research into the whole thing by AI Group, they released, they released some stats last week um, relying on the ABS, the Australian Bureau of Statistics, about you know which, which types of industries are affected by enterprise agreements, how many employees are labour hire workers, all that sort of stuff, and it ends up being about 145 or 140,000 or so Australian workers are uh, you know, labour hire workers. Um, and the industries that they go to, you know, administration, administrative services was high on the on the list for for, for high numbers, um, but more often than not, people being engaged uh, by our labour hire are, are on pretty high wages. You know, IT industry, for example, communications industry, all that sort of stuff. Those professional employee workers, as white collar labour hire workers, typically they're saying the stats say that they're typically on higher incomes. Um, and, and the bulk of labour hire workers are in those fields. So what they're suggesting is this it's, it's useless legislation anyway. It's not going to do anything. Um, well, not going to do anything on a big enough scale to impact the way that the Labor government says it will make an impact. Um, you know, Tony Burke, in response to, to that sort of thing, is he's, he's really showing his cards here. Um, his comments around that were saying that, you know, same job, same pay for him, it's specifically targeting enterprise agreements and making sure that an employer that has an enterprise agreement doesn't undercut union negotiations. Now, that's a very, it's very telling language. You know, you, you can just see all day long that it's the unions pushing this. It's the ACTU. Um, they're trying, they're, they're saying and, and suggesting that all over the workplace regulations field, there are loopholes and big evil corporations are taking advantage of these loopholes and exploiting Australian workers and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, the stats don't lie and the Australian Bureau of Statistics that AIG, uh, AI groups already have relied upon tell us that you're talking very, very few numbers, you know, 10, 15,000 people that it may impact. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe Tony Burke is starting to realise that. And we'll see what the consultations last Friday result in, I guess. Um, some early commentary coming out of those consultations, though. Um, you know, there were, there were eight, I think there were eight business groups um, brought in there. The, the, the small business employer um, body 
said some positive things, but who believes them that they 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 signed up to a in principle agreement in writing with the ACTU back in November, I think it was last year before the last consultations, which meant absolutely nothing. So you know, let's take what they say with a grain of salt. However, they have had some positive things to say about it. Um, look at the mining industry and their views on it. You know, they're, 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 they've got this, they're part of this, uh, the Australian Resources Group are part of this eight, eight panel or eight, eight organisation group of employer representatives. Um, however, they're kind of carving themselves out, even within the eight, and they're really looking out for themselves here. And I think it's probably because the coal mining sector relies heavily on labour hire, um, and you can see that with the BHP Billiton issues they've got going on. They're being targeted by by the ACTU uh, for their internal labour hire uh, arrangements. Um, you know, they're they're saying that. Uh, um, the, the statements that BHP made were same job, same pay. If that legislation were to go ahead, the um, BHP Billiton themselves would their costs would increase so much that it would be worth it would be up to the value of another five thousand employees. So you can see you can see how they've um, they're really motivated to try and carve out the best deal they possibly can. Um, as a reason for that, so you know, last year, last week, sorry, um, uh, that 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 particular group, the resources group, came out and, and spoke about that specifically, and that they're trying to to aside from going against the government with the other seven bodies, they're trying to carve out their own little piece with the government on the side to have uh, to have themselves looked after. So that's not a good sign for that, for those groups anyway. Um, so yeah, look, same pay, same job, same pay legislation. It's uh, it's it's a doozy. It, it really is a doozy. Um, what, what, one of the biggest, one of the most concerning things for me that that I've heard about it from the employer groups side in terms of their suggestions, they're saying, um, yeah, let's, uh, and this is more from the resources group, I believe, but they're saying, look, let's let's just create a multifactorial test. And apply, and let's work with the government to figure out that multifactorial test, and apply that to the legislation, and that'll tell us who's in, who's out, who's who's going to be affected by it. Um, and I, that, that's just garbage. That's that's just it's horrendous. You know, let's let's consider where else in employment law has the multifactorial test been an absolute nightmare to try and administer, um, and in recent years it's been just kicked to the to the gutter. And that's in sham contracting, where in the use of uh, independent contractors over employees. You know, the sham contracting multifactorial test was awfully difficult. They had about 11 different factors and you'd, you'd ask yourself the question 11 times and if your answer landed more on the employee side or more on the, uh, the contractor side, um, overwhelmingly, which, which way did that go, kind of gave you the answer if you're a, a contractor or, or an employee or not. Um, and even that is subjective. Um, so, thankfully, you know the High Court made those rulings that said, you know, contract is king. If the contract says you're a contractor, and it's and it's robust enough, then you're a contractor, and that's the, that's the end of the story. Um, so, why on earth would anyone want to suggest that a multifactorial test be applied to this, which would be even more difficult? Um, we're talking about agreements between entities. Um, 
know, entities have the ability to set up business structures the way they see fit. So th there will be a way around that anyway. Um, but this would mean that employers, you know, people who already have high costs, increasing costs, wages going up, inflation going up, um, you know, supply chains going up. Well, now you've got to get a bloody lawyer to tell you if you're, if you're subject to same job, same pay or not, because no one can understand multifactorial tests. Uh, it's just, it's ridiculous. It, it, it's, it's, not a, it's not a way to do it, um, in, my, in my view, in my humble personal opinion. Um, that'll be a bit of a bit of a shitstorm to try and get that um, happening. So th that's that's the update. Now that's the update on um, on same job same pay legislation. Um, you know the, the the other the other things that are in headlines. I might just actually open up a bit of a, a bit of a page here and see what's in the headlines. If we can talk about that because there's, there's interesting things happening all over the place that might be relevant to a whole um, range of different businesses. Um, you know, productivity is in the, in the headlines, of course. Um, and you've got, you know, you've got some issues with that. I think productivity, um, in, again, in my humble personal opinion, um, and I did read a story, an, an article uh, very, very recently, where there'd been a study done on, um, on working from home. And the study said that um, it looked at the amount of days you would work from home and the effects that, or the measures that those days had on productivity, uh, on depression, on loneliness, on, on happiness, on satisfaction, and all these different measures, these different uh, personal individual metrics, right? And it wasn't good. It didn't spill a good picture. Um, productivity was way down. Um, loneliness was up. And all these, all these negative emotions and, and things that people unfortunately go through um, was, was playing havoc with, 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 all, with, with those types of things. So, um, you know, it doesn't surprise me at all that after COVID, productivity is, in, is just shit um, and it's the worst it's ever been in, in Australia and that's a significant problem for us. Um, yeah, more so, getting people back into the office is going to keep productivity levels really low because no one wants to come back to the office now, right? And that's, and I can see that's another... That's another um, issue in, in the headlines lately. You know, why can't why can't companies get staff back into the office? Um, but you know, there's a few reasons for that. But it ties into pro to productivity. The reason why it's so difficult to get people back into the office is because the Labor government has made it um, almost unlawful to knock back um, requests for people to work their jobs from home and, and on their terms. Um, and that's that's difficult. You know, that's really difficult. Employers need to have the control of their organisation. They know best about their customers, what their customers need, how to best service their customers, um, you know, and, and what their customers expect and how, they, how they're placed within the market and how they can compete. Employees don't give a shit about that stuff. They don't care, and nor should they, right? Like, you know, really, really good, high-value, high-potential future leaders, yeah, they care about that stuff, absolutely. Um but they're, they're the minority within the big pool of employees that every business has. The majority of employees don't give a shit about any of that stuff. So um, businesses need to have control over their own destiny. They can't be unfair to people. They absolutely can't. But aren't there already enough laws about that? Now, I think there are. There's you know, 122 or so uh, modern awards there used to be thousands before the Fair Work Act came about, but 
Um, you know, there, there, there's enough modern awards with enough safety nets. There's the national employment standards. There's enterprise agreements. There's the Fair Work Act. There's all these things that uh, are already extremely complicated, right? Workplace health and safety legislation, Human Rights Commission, all these things that impact employment. Um, for God's sake, give the employer some control over how they're going to actually run their business. Um, crazy. It's, it's, it's absolutely crazy uh, and, and getting more difficult. Those issues are why productivity is going to stay shit, right? Not to mention that the government's driving up wages as well. Um, and, and that's the reason why, obviously, that the, the Reserve Bank is, is driving up the interest rates. It's all related. It's all, it's all connected. So, um, you know, you, 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 can't, you can't just fix productivity while you're also imposing more restrictions and more freedoms for employees and, and increasing the cost of those employees where productivity is specifically related to what's coming out of our companies, what's being produced by our businesses. Um, it's just too difficult right now. Um, so that, that's, again, that's the, all, those, all those elements. Um, we can see how the changes and, the, and what's being imposed on Australian businesses is so widespread that no one's really going to escape it, right? Um, so let's have a look at this. You know, less less productive, more depressed. I'm reading an article here. This I think this probably relates to the research um, that, that I was talking about. So, and it does. So they measured uh, the amount of days working from home. They measured productivity, professional efficacy, turnover intentions, negative effects, depression, anxiety, loneliness. They measured all those things. Um, and you know, as it, it it's pretty well uniform that as the days went on during the week, the, uh, the, the negative effects spiked, productivity went down um, with a slight upturn at the end of the week. And that's the same for most, most of the things. So, um, you know, is working from home actually worth or it's being, down, or, or it's, or it's being t um, uh, worked up to be? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I, I don't sit on the fence on that one. Um, you know, working from home, working from home is uh, it's been it's been happening for a while. It was it was going on before COVID came about, but COVID just imposed it essentially um, out of absolute necessity. Necessity, sorry. Um, you know, working from home is used to be you know a day you can if you had to do something in your personal life uh, that. It was just difficult to do because of your work commitments. Sure, have a day at home. Um, work work around that. Have a couple of days here or there. Work around the things you've got to do. Um, it's moved from that uh, pre-COVID to post-COVID being an expectation. Right? Look, I, I advertise. Uh, I've, I've recently just hired, hired a new employee, and um, I didn't want to advertise on Seek for the very for the very... Um, reason that um, I thought it was going to be a complete waste of time um, watching my clients advertise and have conversations with potential recruits. Uh, the conversation was always around, yeah, I, I applied for your job and your job didn't tell me it was a working from home job. And I, I applied for it. I'm happy with what it says. Uh, okay, I'm shortlisted. Now let's start talking about the role. Um, can I work from home? No. Well, I don't want the job then. Um, you know, that, that's that's happening every day to employers. Um, I was really hesitant to 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 advertise. You know, and I 
approach the network first. I, I, I put it on LinkedIn and that sort of stuff. I've got some conversations going in the first, the first five conversations I had were questions uh, if that role that I, I needed could be performed working at home. Um, so it's an expectation now, okay? Now, it's not all bad. I'm not saying it's all bad. Let's not throw the, the, the baby out with the bathwater, but um, it's, it's not fair. It's, it's certain that not, it's not a fair and balanced workplace right now and employers are losing out. The country is losing out on productivity and is being restricted and, and restrained from doing the things it needs to do to get productivity back to a reasonable level to help us all. So, um, you know, the, the, the government does absolutely have a hand to play in that. Yes. So what else has been spoken about? Let's have a look. Novated leases, powerful tool in war for talent. Yeah, that's a bit of a that's a bit of a nice to have problem. That one, you know, um, there's there's something called employee value propositions, EVPs, because um, this is something worth talking about. Because we just spoke about recruitment and 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 the difficulties of it. Um, and smaller companies can probably learn something from larger ones in this sense. EVPs uh, are typically something focused on by the larger the larger employers out there. Employee value propositions. Essentially, what is it? What is it? Look, um, you'll put an advert out on seek.com, for example. Okay. You can talk about how nice your workplace is. You can talk about, um, you know, you can have a day a week from home or whatever it is. You can talk about your salary. You can talk about the car parking. You can, all that sort of stuff. The reality is, many, many, many businesses can compete with you on those things extremely well and easily. And so you don't have any sort of separation from them there or any, anything new to offer. So that's where employee value propositions come in. And larger companies will, will um, get creative and they might do things like, um, you know, choose your charity that you, um, that you support or that you really do believe in and do some, ch some charitable work on, on the company's watch that paid for. You know, that might be an employee value proposition that attracts a certain type of or demographic of employee that your business wants to attract and, and it's best to have them in your business. Um, it might be, you know, things like novated leases, etc. This article that I'm seeing pop up um, spoke about. Yeah, you know, novated leases aren't really a, an employee value proposition, but I suppose they can be. But they're also something that you can, you can um, have many companies compete on and match. So, it's not something that stands out or it's not a high value proposition, I wouldn't say. Um, you know, it's, it's just about getting creative with um, doing things over and above the, expect, the expectations and um, you, what you want to do is identify uh, the demographics and the type of employees your business needs to have and want. Um, there's a side note to that comment right there and I'll get to that in a minute. But identify that and what do they care about um, what what's valuable about those things? How can your business be involved with that and enable that, enable those people to, to continue doing those things or get involved with those things or, or give their time to those things um, and bring that into your organisation as an employee value proposition? Um, so the little side note I mentioned there before, because this, this is a, this always, you know, it, it, it's a battle. There's always a battle in the workplace, isn't there? But, you know, Employee value propositions and all that sort of stuff, 
you can probably have a list of a hundred different things that your company wants to do. And you will be expected to have that in today's diversity and inclusivity and that sort of stuff in, in, in workplaces, right? Because how wrong is it or how politically incorrect is it to say, well, the demographic of a, of a person who is a great employee for a business like mine fits this box. That's who they are. But uh, how do I attract them? Well, I attract them by these employee value propositions and these benefits and these conditions and these locations. Um, so your box is still the same size box, isn't it? Then diversity and inclusion. Let's throw that in. Let's throw that on top. You're being expected now to blow that box up and just accept anybody in. Um, so there's another challenge, another little workplace battle that you've got to try and wrestle with and, and, and you know, make a decision on what business you are. Um, you know, so that's a, a little, just a little side note, a little thought that entered in my head there that that's, um, is, pretty, is really hypocritical in the world today, I think. Let's have a look here. Um, Services Australia, who is Centrelink, axed, they've axed Circo contracts sparking union blowback. And it looks like the federal government, the federal Labor government, oh my goodness, the federal Labor government has uh, axed 600 call centre workers with just two weeks notice of termination. Well, that's, uh, isn't that interesting? You know, you've got, you've got all these changes that the government is, is, is making and imposing on all the other businesses, um, you know, uh, gender, wage reporting, all sort of stuff, but the government doesn't have to do that, right? Remember that. Um, all these other changes that employers have to keep up with and have to have to Im implement and wage increases and this and that, the list is endless. And here we have the federal Labor government uh, sacking 600 call centre workers at Centrelink. Um, yeah, with two weeks notice. So bravo. Isn't that a bit of a, a, bit of a hypocritical move? Um, and the unions are, are blowing up about that. So, you know, let's see the unions now take on the federal government, which they said they were prepared to do if the government didn't give them what they wanted. So let's see how this one plays out. Um, having said that, look, I'm, I'm a bit tongue-in-cheek there with that, but let's talk about that in reality. You know, I've, I've been um, obviously a different scenario here, but I've been in that seat. I've been made redundant. I've made people redundant. Um I was part of a large redundancy uh, project uh, once uh, with a team of about 15 of us where we had to shut down a coal, a coal mining operation. And, um, you know, a thousand, one and a half thousand employees were there at that point in time. And where were they going? You know, we had to go there and deal with it and face these people and make them redundant. Um, you know, and, and that's that's not it. You know, I've, had, I've, I've had a hand in redundancy processes um, many, many times. And what I can say here is that these decisions that are made at the higher end, these government decisions being made, um, someone has to deal with them, right? Someone has to sit at a table and tell this person that they've lost their livelihood. And someone has to sit on the other side of the table and hear that message. Um, it's not nice. It's not nice for anybody on any side of that table. It's, it's really difficult and awful. So I do feel for those people. But isn't it interesting that we've got a government here that's imposing so many rules and conditions on employers outside of their circle and they're just doing it you know, the exact opposite themselves. Um, that's, that's a, a really interesting story and I hope that gets a fair bit of light 
and Tony Burke gets to gets to provide some answers around that. You know, how does that happen? So look, it's it's uh, you know CFM are using the in the headlines again. Of course they are. Always in there. They've got an ex-gang member granted access to building sites. So look, um, this this guy. I haven't read the article. Looks like looks like he's uh, he's done some damage in the past. He's done some assaults, some trespassing, and some property damage and that sort of stuff. Um, look, um, ex-criminals don't stay criminals always. So there's let's look at the two sides of this coin. You know, you got you obviously got a Fair Work Commission decision that's been um, that goes in the favour of giving this ex ex gang member uh, the ability to be a permit holder and access building sites on behalf of the CFMEU, who is a quite a militant and proudly militant union, proudly aggressive union. Um, in fact, they've got you know tens of millions of dollars in fines for being aggressive and being violent. Um, and you give an ex gang a violent ex gang member. Uh, free access to be a permit holder and enter sites. Um, so, on one side of the coin, you've got an ex-criminal who's probably uh, who shouldn't be, um, you know, restricted from employment opportunities. That's one side, and the Fair Work Commission would go in that favour. They're always going to go in that favour, right? Now, let's not let's not forget the Fair Work Commission. The government has appointed 13 new commissioners who are pretty much just union delegates, um, and they're all in there right now. So, um, you know, that aside, I think any commissioner would have gone on the on the on the side of the employee then. Um, but uh, in reality, you know, you've got this militant, uh, violent, and aggressive union um, with an enormous history of violent conduct and assault and you know trespassing and all that sort of stuff um so really what well, it's, it's just more of the same really isn't it so who cares <laughs> you know we expect that from the cfmeu um and uh so who, who cares you know it's it, I, I doubt this guy is going to go on uh to a work site and um start you know murdering people and doing that sort of stuff i, I doubt that's going to happen but um, you know, in my view, in my view, I don't think someone like that should be given permits um, and access to go on sites and, you know, try to disrupt people. Um, but, you know, I do see that he should be given a shot. Anyway, anyway, I might, let's just, let's just leave it at that. Yeah, I think we've spoken about a lot there. Um, we've spoken about an update to the same job, same pay status. Um, and we've gone through and, and I think we can see how um, interconnected all these changes and impacts and influences are on most businesses in, in the Australian workplace. So um, we'll leave it there. Once again, jump on over to www.workplaceas.com. You can book in a consultation. You can check out some of the podcasts. You can get some free employee performance tools. Um, you can download them um, and just get more information and advice. So until next time, keep it to our workplace and we'll talk again soon.